0: Craftsman podcast is proud to partner with Montana brand tools. The West was built by people with strength and great pride in their workmanship. It was a necessity that early settlers of Montana have a strong will, a resilient character and great determination to tame the rugged landscape while adapting to its dramatic climate. That spirit made in the USA pride and craftsmanship is alive today, both in how Montana brand tools are manufactured and how they perform. Montana brand power tool accessories are manufactured utilizing proprietary, state-of-the-art CNC machining equipment and the highest quality materials available. Montana brand tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. Montana brand tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist, located in Ronan, Montana. Montana brand's heritage comes from a long line of innovative power tool accessories. Use coupon code American Craftsman for 10% off your order at montanabrandtools.com.
1: You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome. Hey. Episode 38. Here we are. Uh, back in action, hopefully with no audio issues this week. <laughs> you see I got this green uh, cable here. We bought these nice uh, boom arms and the cable was shot. Yeah. You know, It comes with a cable on the inside. This one was no good. I'm waiting to hear back from those people at Sweetwater. They told me I was a VIP.
2: Yeah. It, as you know, um, the soldering on these Chinese-made cables is mm-hmm. not the best. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what failed. But, uh, um, yeah, it was. Uh, we're going to have to send out a special thanks to anybody who uh, stuck
1: through last yeah. week's episode. Yeah, that was pretty bad, especially in the beginning. Um I think I added a little audio clip to the to the um, audio only version YouTube. I just put a text over the screen. Disclaimer. The first yeah, the first minute there was brutal, like, and it was pretty bad after that. But you know, you see, we don't we don't wear uh, headphones, so we don't monitor the the podcast live because there's latency, and I'm sure you could. There's got to be a way to get it to have no latency, yeah, yeah. but. Um, it's it's gets kind of disorienting if there's any type of latency between yeah. what you're saying and what you're hearing so uh
0: plus I, I just
1: yeah. i don't really want to wear headphones for, we're woodworkers yeah <laughs> we barely get this show off the road yeah so anyway audio should be good this week um what's this i'm getting uh getting alerts I got motion at my side who the hell's here
2: could be special UPS delivery or a bird turning around on your front
1: yard. Yeah, the mailman likes to um, <laughs> he
2: likes, to, likes to spin half a donut in just front
1: yard. Yeah, he like uses the entire front yard as a driveway. <laughs> um, when in reality, let's see,
2: <laughs> there's grass
1: growing there. Well, yeah, you I mean, mean it's you could call it's, it that.
2: it's like my grass
1: where you know it's questionable. People don't feel bad about driving. On it, it was a bus going by <laughs> on the highway. <laughs> it picks up, you know, you got these zones on the ring camera yeah. and you could put where it detects things and it detects things outside of it all the time. and sends me a notification. Anyway, you guys probably don't want to hear about my ring doorbell. No. Um, what do you got? Beer of the week. Yeah, beer of the week. Let me slide this mic out of the way. Don't jingle loose those solder joints in that uh, cable. I know.
2: <laughs>
1: Otherwise, Sweetwater, we're going to we're going to sick you guys after Sweetwater. Ah, Nice.
2: All right, so this is uh, Shark River Pilsner, or Pils, uh, from Ross mm-hmm. Beer Company. We, uh, you know, they're one of our, they're soon to be one of our neighbors. Yeah, yeah, we just uh, drove by the uh, the brewery that they're building. And uh, at first, I, I saw in the case, uh, you know, these two jumped out at me. This, and they have one called the Navisink, mm-hmm. but it's more, it said right on the label, like grapefruit and... So we'd had a few of those in the last couple weeks. And this uh, Czech-style American pilsner, Um, and this caught my eye. So uh, it says here, Shark River, our single hop pilsner named after the Shark River. Okay, we know that. Where we've had a lot of fun over the years, and which may actually be a bay and not a river, but who's counting? River or bay, pilsner or lager, what you call it's not as important as how much you enjoy it. And with this crisp, clean, refreshing, and most importantly, delicious beer that is everything you'd want in a Pilsner, you will most definitely enjoy it. We did, we did it all with the amazing Laurel Hop. Is that how you say that? L-O-R-A-L? Uh, yeah, sounds good. So it's Laurel Hops, the super noble variety that makes our Czech-style
1: beer a bold American original. I like those Czech-style Pilsners. Yeah. Not like your uh, American Miller Lake type of
2: pilsner. <laughs> 5.3% alcohol. So where that
1: fall on the spectrum? Kind of middle of the road, right?
2: Yeah. All right. Like a
1: regular, like a Budweiser's, like five, I think. Yeah. You got a little bit left in here, but smells good. Yeah. Yeah, so Ross Brewery, uh, Ross Brewing, the brewer, brew, brew, I don't know what the <laughs> hell, the brewery. Yeah. I don't know if they're calling it a brew pub or anything or if they have food, but it's uh it's opening about, I don't know, what, a mile from the shop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that could be a regular haunt of ours. As if we don't already not get enough done. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> there you go. Cheers to all you.
2: Ross. I like the color. Hmm.
1: That's a nice change of pace.
2: It is, right?
1: Yeah. I like a good Pilsner. Just a a beer that tastes like a regular beer, you know, it's done a, well.
2: Right. It's a good version of a regular beer when you think of, like, a regular American beer. And so I guess it's aptly named, you know, Czech-style Czech American Pilsner. Um, I like it. It is crisp. but We'll talk more about that later. Let's uh, let's get on to this. Yeah. Just I'm I'm gonna hold this up as far yeah, as my little arm can reach.
1: It's, uh, it's hard to see. You know what? Let me let me try this B-roll thing again. Yeah. Now that I figured out how to shoot, you know, video sideways on my phone.
2: But this is an awesome thermal mug from our friend at, at Alhead Wood Co. Yeah, Alec. Well, he's actually one of our patrons as well. Can you check that out? He he. Uh, laser engraved the logo of our shop right into the front of these these mugs. They're glasses, really. Um, it's like a Yeti mug. Yeah, it's an aluminum thermos. This is really nice.
1: I mean, that's not aluminum.
2: Is not aluminum?
1: No, oh, that's stainless steel. That's stainless steel, buddy. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's like a uh you know double walled. And I'm I'm showing you guys here the uh, the coasters that he made. So these are nice cork coasters. Oh, that's upside down. Al Head Woodco. And it says uh, he's another Jersey guy too. Don't mic Don't microwave this. That makes sense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was super cool and generous. I might add of him to to uh, do that for us and. I think he's actually in the business of doing stuff like this. If anybody out there wants to get hooked up with Alec, um, reach out. He can do the same for you. Of course there'll yeah. be nominal fees attached. Of course. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, it's it's always good to promote other small locals.
1: Yeah. Alec, yeah, aside from, you know, his woodworking, he uh he's just getting into the laser engraving and stuff. So yeah, hit him up on uh on Instagram, Alhead Woodco. And uh I know he's got a website as well. Um I'll link it down in the description. I got i gotta remember to do That's that. That's a good
2: idea. Yeah, it's pretty
1: good. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that B roll works out. You know, recording that on my phone goes to show How much is left to be desired with that camera? Yeah, yeah, the phone. Because the 4K on this phone is insane.
2: Has a better camera. And this is an 11. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You have an 11. Yeah, I have that 11. And then it's like the
1: 12 came out right afterwards. 11 Lollapalooza or whatever they call it. Super Max. Mega Max. (laughs) Mad Max. It's got spikes on it.
2: So that brings us to your tool of the week. Yeah,
1: okay. So here we go. Let me fire up the camera. That way uh get some some footage of this too. I'm I'm super paranoid about moving the mic around now. <laughs> so tool of the week this week is the tadpole tape cutter. Yeah. Um so basically what it is is a little uh plastic, little plastic thing with a, a cutter on it, like you would have on like the aluminum foil. Mm-hmm. Um and it has a little elastic band that goes around the roll of tape and it sits, you know, it sits on the top. And uh here, you wanna yeah. record? Yeah. What it allows you to do is actually and what we did is actually press this down, but you kinda hold it like this, and you can pull the tape out and cut it. And one of the best things I like about it is see it leaves the tape up like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a real easy
2: It's a nice straight cut. One hand doesn't tear.
1: Yeah. So if you're anal like us, (laughs) get a nice close up of that perforation.
2: Yeah, yeah. And this was one of those things that it was cheap. I mean, inexpensive cheap. And we thought this can't possibly work.
1: I think it was what, an add-on to like a Lee Valley order? Yeah,
2: yeah. We're like, you know, it was I think it was less than five dollars.
1: I I was Was looking. I think they retail for about ten. Ten. This is the what are these? Was this one point eight inches? Yeah, I think that's that's the medium one, isn't it? Yeah. So they have three different sizes. Um, I saw on Amazon, which I'll put a link down there. You get all three sizes for fifteen bucks. Okay. There you go. Um, And you know this is this got a lot of extra slack, so Mm -hmm. you can use big roll, you know, uh, thick rolls of tape, not wide. You know, they're, they're they're width specific. Um, so this will even go, this is the two inch version. So you have a little bit of extra room yeah. here.
2: Uh,
1: we were shocked when we, when we used it. Yeah. I was a, I was kind of a skeptic. I'm like, what the hell you need that thing for? But we love it. Don't we? Yeah. It's great. Uh, because
2: it, it avoids all those little torn edges. Yep. You can't get up with the, you know, your finger mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, or the tape runoff that yeah, you always get.
1: That sucks. Especially with masking tape. um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, five bucks, fifteen bucks for three. Yeah, it's gonna, it's well worth it.
2: Yeah, we wondered if it was made by Frog Tape because of the, you know, the amphibious name of it. And the, the color, yeah, the color
1: tadpole. So this is Frog Tape, which um, I don't know. I like the Frog Tape. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems to be a little stronger than like your regular blue tape. Yeah. Maybe not 3M. The 3M stuff is pretty good. Um. This is a little more papery than like the expensive 3M stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, hey, i check it out. The tadpole cutter.
0: Yeah. From
1: tadpole cutter. Tadpole com. Yeah, we'll probably pick up a three pack. Yeah, I've got a, an inkling that this may be made in the USA, but I'm not sure. Let me see if there's any more you know markings on the inside. Mm, doesn't say. So probably not, yeah. but S- one of those simple, clever devices. It's yeah. So you see, okay, I got, I have it off. You put it on top of the tape. You pull this little elastic thing around. Pull it into here. Boom, you're done.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's couldn't be any less or more, and and still work just as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just a just the right amount. Keep costs down in manufacturing, I
1: guess. Doesn't have to be too elaborate. Yeah, yeah. You can tighten this thing down as tight as you want, so you get more or less friction i'd say the the next best or the only thing better than this would be a dedicated tape dispenser yeah. like a heavy i've been i've been wanting to get one of those for a couple years like the old heavy you know that like tan <laughs> like when colored you
2: at, the, at the grocery store yeah, yeah i never did but i know what you're talking about I did. the
1: big heavy tan colored thing yeah you know, it's full of sand yeah those would be cool
2: yeah, that's for like shipping departments and stuff like that. We used yeah. to have those.
1: Or like at the butcher, yeah. you know, they have the the butcher's tape. Yeah. Yeah, tapple tape cutter. Check it out. They one of those things that you didn't know you needed until right. you have it. I worked at a place and we used to have the kind where
2: it ran over a sponge, you know, the tape you pulled out and it had to be
1: wet on the back. Oh yeah. So yeah, you yeah. pull
2: the tape. A similar thing. Uh-huh. But
1: yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things like that for packing, like uh little machines that trifold pieces of paper mm-hmm. or like um you know, like wet a stamp, stuff like that. Yeah. Although I guess stamps you don't have to lick anymore. They're all they are they all, yeah. all
2: adhesive backed? I'm pretty sure. At least yeah. the ones from the post office.
1: That was a good shot. Yeah. Um, we got the return of the book of the Book of the undetermined amount of time this yeah. week.
2: <laughs> you almost said book of the week. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so here's the book. It's called The Language of Doors um, by Paulo Vincente and Tom Connor. We've got an Italian and, a, and an Irish.
2: Yeah, very appropriate uh, book for what we've got in the shop now.
1: Yeah, so uh, let me see. I put my feet up here. I can uh, flip through some pages. This is one of the first books that I got, um, you know, like when I got into, into the trades and I wanted to learn more about design, um, and architecture. So this basically the, the idea of this book is it'll take you through a style of house and, uh, give the significance of the, of the entryway of the doors, you know, basically. So it starts out colonial style. Gives a little a little history of the style. And it's an easy read and it's kind of like a coffee table kind of book. Yeah. So it shows some examples of, you know, a, a very traditional door, post medieval colonial entrance, Dutch colonial entrance, French colonial entrance, colonial entrance with a portico, and they have these really nice, you know, tauntony kind of drawings with the uh I love that font that they use down there.
2: Yeah. I like that sort of um Pencil-style drawing. Mm -hmm.
1: Goes through all the details and the pediments and, and the railing and the stairs. Queen Anne. So, scroll work and about porticos. So, it's just all about the entrances of homes and, you know, and the different styles where they originate and sort of the meaning behind them. Arts and crafts period. This is, you know... Probably my favorite favorite section, prairie style, 1895 to 1920. Over here, talking about Highland Park, Illinois, J.K. Ingalls' ho- uh, house.
2: Actually, Fra- Frank Lloyd Wright.
1: Like, come on. That's just, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I had a buddy who lived in Highland Park.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Um, I didn't know was home to all these Frank Lloyd Wright houses and he said yeah blah 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 you know and we we drove through you really can see really
1: nice illustrations
2: how a lot of that stuff translates to to furniture and a lot of interior woodwork too all yep. of those details
1: yeah and uh that's kind of where i was going when i got this because i bought this when i was a uh, finished carpenter and um I just was interested in knowing more about where all these motifs sort of came from. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was a really good and easy, look at that, printed in Italy. Fancy. Wow. And look, it's got a a test your architectural IQ on the back. (laughs) Style forever changed by acclaimed architect Frank Lloyd Wright. (laughs) Uh, Strength course, pendant, second empire, capital, keystone, Richard, uh, Richardsonian, stick style, turret, prairie style, art deco. I would say prairie. Yeah, it has got to be it. Uh, the wedge-shaped stone or wood ornament set in the top or center of an arch. Keystone. Keystone yeah. Style reflected in the home using Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. That was a stick style, wasn't it? Oh, no, no, no. Is that, that gothic? Or I don't remember what the picture is. It's got to be Second Empire because that's the only one that makes sense. The uppermost element of a column or pilaster. Uh, hmm. what are the I
0: choices? was going to say,
1: uh, oh, capital. Yeah. Uh, a style that sought to proclaim rather than hide a home's inner framework. That stick, slender corner tower. Uh, where is it? Turret. Horizontal band around the facade of a building that defines the level of stories. Oh, string course. Chrysler Building was built in this style. Was that Art Deco? Or? Yeah. Uh, a strong masonry style that reflects the personal taste of 300-pound architect. It must be <laughs> Richardsonian. <laughs> a decorative piece of turned wood suspended from a roof bracket etc
2: what are our choices
1: uh pendant yeah i was going to say a, a drop finial that's what i always called it you know a finial oh yeah it goes down so yeah i check it out the language of doors this this is a used book i buy most of my books used yeah um so you can find most books, unless they're one of these like super sought after woodworking books that is out of print um like the woodworker, I think it's called maybe maybe that's not the title it's something along those lines. I mean you're not gonna find them for less than like eighty bucks, but this I think you know you could find this for maybe ten bucks, maybe less, so that's a blogging, yeah, well, worth it. We've pulled this out too um we've had people call like, yeah, you know, I have a a Tudor-style home, and I need a new railing, and we'll pop this open, take a look. You know, it's a good reference book, too, aside from being yeah. a good read. so
2: I like its size as well.
1: Yeah, it's like 8 by 8 or something like that.
2: You could, like, see yourself sitting down on the couch in one of these nice comfy chairs. Yep. <laughs> these, these chairs that cause us to yawn.
1: And it's, uh, you know, it's nice because it's, it's a visual book, too. Yeah. Like, come on, that's awesome. Yeah. I love shingle style. So that's the book of the undetermined length of time. Yeah. The language adores Paulo Vincente and Tom Connor. Book of the every other month. Yeah. well, wow. I don't I think it's been longer than that. <laughs> Last one was episode 24 with, with John. Was <laughs> it? That's 14 weeks ago. <laughs> I don't think there's a word for 14 weeks. We need a spotlight for the table. Yeah. I was going to put my feet up, but I'll refrain.
2: We usually save that for the Patreon section. Yeah. Oh, so it's uh, time to get into the questions of the week, if you're ready. I was born ready. All right. From Miles, he's uh, one of our loyal patrons, known as Eat Drink Wine Guy on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Miles asks, when are we seeing some more guests? I asked the same thing too now.
1: (laughs) Um, we logistically have some things to figure out here and definitely need to spend a little more time and, and certainly a little bit more money to, uh, get this set up for, for three people.
2: Yeah. We may need to go to smaller chairs.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, the problem is off camera here to the, to my right, um, is, you know, this is my basement. So that's the rest of the basement. And, uh, Got like a curtain wall there. Yeah. So we need to continue this green curtain kind of around the corner to be able to get the shot wide enough to fit three people. Yeah. And then adjust the camera and everything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the guest is going to have to sit on a five gallon bucket, so
2: yeah. Uh, you know.
1: Look at that getting emails uh, about that job in Asbury. Cool. Oh, cool. Referred to us by Alec. Thanks, Alec. Yeah. Um so, yeah, the answer is hopefully it's very soon.
2: Yeah, I mean, COVID re- restrictions are easing. Yeah. Jeff and I are both uh, vaccinated fully and, and uh, have no problems there. And, no. And f- so we're, we're pretty much... Starting to operate like the old days.
1: Yeah, you know, we had some uh, not growing pains, but, it you know, it's a lot to move spaces and get this all set up. And then we're dealing with the audio issues and stuff. So um, I think we'll be we'll be set soon enough to.
2: Yeah. I mean, because we love having guests.
1: Yeah. Ryan, if you're listening, we have been trying to get you on. Yeah, we may have a, a semi-long distance guest one of these days. We get the... Uh, yeah, if we can get the logistics set up. I'm just, um, you know, the the whole audio thing. I don't want you guys to have to listen to an episode where somebody's talking through like a, you know, the laptop microphone. It sounds like crap. <laughs> so it's something to figure out. I know some people like send out a microphone <laughs> to people, which it seems crazy. Yeah. It had to be in some like, in like a case like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we use... These are uh, uh, condenser mics, so they right. run on an XLR cable. You need phantom power. You need a uh, you know, need some type of interface between the computer and the thing. Got to teach somebody how to use a program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's a lot to logistically yeah. try and figure out. But because
2: we're not broadcasters, and neither are our guests. So no, I mean learning curves.
0: We're
1: uh, certainly becoming more adept, more uh, adept and yeah, and uh, learned in this subject, but.
2: Who would, can you think of anybody you'd like to have on
1: well that kind of brings us to our next question oh when will you have that <laughs> handsome carpenter <laughs> Tim back on that's coming in anonymously oh, I didn't read that you think they're talking about Tim Tim Beardsley episode 26 <laughs> with true trade uh Tim from true trade carpentry
2: you could tell I don't pre-read these questions <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh Yeah, I mean, love to have Tim back on. Love to have uh, Will back on Wow, Willie, because yeah. that episode got totally screwed. Yeah. Um, that of was course, our first audio issue episode. Yeah. um, Which must have been a different cable.
2: Yeah. The cables, they're just, you know, they're not like they used to be. I don't remember if we had these green ones back then. I don't think we did. I think that was the onset of the
1: green cable. I have to look back. Uh, well, no, 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 no. We got we, these right at the beginning. Yeah, because we were still at the bench, at the workbench. Yeah. If you guys yeah. are OG listeners, you remember we used to do the the podcast at my bench. Yeah. We'd pull yeah. it out. hang Talk it. about setup. Had to pull out the bench, clear out the whole corner. Here's the thing, you know, we couldn't really do it in the shop anymore because, like, right now, we'd have to rearrange the whole shop just to be able to set a mm-hmm. table up to, plus yeah. we got stuff on the horses and... We have a big cabinet and a Dutch door in the shop, so all spread out with finish drying. Yeah, there's no space for a podcast.
2: Um, yeah, we got we work in uh, we work in like a studio apartment of of wood shops.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course, John, you know, love having John on Keith from Two Bit, uh, Ryan Massey from Massey Carpentry, trying to get him on. Um, I want to know how we're going to get Manny and Lou on at the same time.
2: Yeah they're going to have to uh take like a scheduled sick day on a tuesday yeah i think they could do it if they put their mind to it
1: is tj coming on uh i'm going to give that a big no <laughs> we'll yeah. keep it uh, vague um yeah who else who else is local we want to i definitely want matt to come down from connecticut yeah. i know it's a hike if he's if he's willing to make the yeah. trip we'd, we'd yeah. be tickled to have him on from uh I k a g. I know a guy. Matt Viz, Um He'd be a really interesting guest too. Yeah, I know Freddie from Period Craftsman. Who this is like another Freddie show. We got a lot of questions from him. I know he he's potentially heading down this way um, for some work. So I'd love to have him on. Maybe Justin, Justin De Palma. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Who's local? I mean, shit. Somebody yeah. wants to drive out here from where that wherever the hell they are. Yeah, they're more than welcome. Or you know, if I, I don't want to uh, inconvenience anybody. <laughs>
2: You know, maybe somebody's traveling. You know, like you you live in Chicago, like a drifter. <laughs> no, we pick them up at the no. bus station, like a grifter. No, <laughs> somebody's traveling and they have business or uh, family things to attend to. They're yeah. passing through. Maybe we could work something out schedule wise that way. That would be extra cool.
1: Yeah, we had a listener reach out. Um, I feel bad. I forget his name. He's out in was it Colorado. I think so. He's got all the Felder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's got family in New Jersey. And um, man, what a shop. I know. We were like, (laughs) who's this guy from Colorado? I don't know, but look at this shop. Yeah, man. (laughs) All the Einer, uh, Shaper accessories and stuff. He's got, man, one hell
0: of a shop.
2: yeah we were pretty awestruck, yeah, because uh, he was doing uh, and humbly so, yeah. doing a tour of his shop and felder,
1: we like, felder, uh, big large format felder cNC with the mm-hmm. conveyor belt to to dump parts off of it and stuff, yeah so yeah, um,
2: really impressive setup, yeah, and, uh, I'm sure doing a lot of good stuff out there mm-hmm.
1: if uh, if you guys watch the podcast, uh, let me know if you if you see any difference. I don't know uh, how the export quality, if that's going to change, but I switch editing programs because iMovie has been like a, I don't know what the hell happened. Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so I'm using DaVinci Resolve now, which um, is like a, a more professional kind of uh, editing software. But Yeah,
2: hope for the best there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot where we were in the podcast for a second. Oh, yeah, actually, that was a quick,
2: that was uh, some Tim's anonymous anonymous listener. question. Yeah, um, I wonder if it was a female anonymous female. Could listener. be. It might
1: be that one woman that actually <laughs> listens to the podcast. We
2: do have one woman listener. Yeah,
1: she wants to know when handsome Tim will be back on the show. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not not too long. Speaking of women and podcasts, uh, you remember? Um, What's her name? I forget. Natural Carpentry on, on Instagram. She's a, uh, she actually runs a framing crew, I believe, up in Canada. We met her in Vegas. Oh, at yeah, the, at the yeah. fine home building thing. Yeah. She uh, posted yesterday a clip from a podcast, and these guys sounded Canadian. And, uh, I mean, they were saying some kind of foul stuff about, like, you know, heckling women on, like, a job mm. site, and I just thought it, it was pretty shitty. And and just stupid, like, yeah. to put that out, you know, for the world to hear.
2: Well, not everybody's uh that clever. Yeah. As uh, put it in somewhat of a uh, trade-like cliche, not the not sharpest, sharpest tool, tool in, in, the sh- shed. in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unfortunately, some people actually think it. Yeah. And so, you know. I mean that's not us. We won't get, we won't uh, digress too far into it, but mm-hmm.
1: that's just not the way we see things. So you you want what Yeah, let's get into yeah. these questions cuz we got uh we got a two pagers today. It's been a while. We're going to have to I think kind of interpret this in our okay. own way. This is uh, from Kevin, Kevin M Jameson on Instagram. What's more important, hard work or the right work?
2: Yeah, that's um as I was scanning that, I wasn't sure what it meant. Do you have a a take on that um like they're almost the same thing for
1: us yeah, <laughs> well, I think what he yeah, maybe what he's getting at is uh you know what's more important that you're that you're always just doing your best at whatever comes your way, or are you picking the right work? Oh. and doing it the
2: best way I see uh like do are we take tackling jobs just because they're difficult and and taxing and challenging, or picking jobs that suit us and they're the right job for us, or uh
1: maybe uh, yes, I mean, see, I don't know what he means what he's getting at, but the way I interpret it, like is it more important to just to just do? To just work hard on anything that comes your way? Mm-hmm. Or is it more important to pick the right work that you want to do or you think is good work? Like, like as long as you're working hard, does it matter if you're just, like, stapling together boxes? Or uh, or is it more important to do the right work, which is whatever you take that to be? Yeah. Se- you know, whatever.
2: Whatever our real specialization
1: right. is. Um, uh, Well...
2: I mean, we've wo- always worked hard, yeah. whether it's at Green Street or, you know, on our previous vocations. I think that's kind of hardwired into you or not. Yeah. People are either workers or they're <laughs> spending all that energy and effort and time trying to figure out how to get out of work, which mm-hmm. is always the irony, isn't it? Um, so we're hard workers individually and together, Um and i think we like picking the right work yeah um we don't always have a say in that and sometimes we can uh, steer the direction of a job that comes our way yep um so uh and the, and that's always kind of a moving target too what the right work is because what's right for us today isn't going to be right for us possibly in a year because we'll have read something or seen something mm-hmm. maybe been inspired by somebody else's work and said I want to try something like that right
1: yeah um hard work is you definitely always have to do hard work no matter what you're doing and um the right work I think like we were talking about uh trying to pick the right work in order to get to a place where all of the you're getting only work that you want to do you kind of have to be selective i think in mm-hmm. the beginning um and make you know sacrifices accordingly because if you want to specialize in this one thing well then that's all you can do because otherwise you're going to be doing all kinds of other things yeah if you get what i'm saying yeah um like
2: we could build a deck right we don't re- and That's I don't hard want, work i don't want to do a deck and because
1: we did then their friends are calling me to build them decks well I don't want to build decks. Yeah. Maybe I had to build a deck because that's the only <laughs> work that that we had to do. Because my house needed one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to do the work that you want to do, right? If you want to do that kind of work.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll do whatever we need to do on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're pretty adept at at as I was trying to say, taking what opportunities are presented us. And sort of framing them around what we do well and what we like to do, yeah. what we hope to do, and create our own challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so all work's not created equal.
1: No, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think of when I think of us making that deck? We have a little, was it a three-yard deck? container or is it a six mm-hmm. yard three, three yard. yard yeah we cut up the deck now jeff really led this thing because he had the most experience uh doing this stuff with and he he just is a take charge kind of guy like that <laughs> he cut up the old deck in portions that would fit right inside the dumpster container now it's clean it's you know a construction dumpster and he was in there <laughs> and that thing, you you couldn't yeah, have, you know. That was three know, yards of solid wood. Right. If we had filled the remaining, uh, you know, space with liquid, we probably would have got about three gallons of water <laughs> in that in that three-yard container.
1: Yeah, we got our 100, $106 worth on that one. i
2: always remember that. He was like, wait a minute, and he'd get in there, yeah, he'd yeah, straighten it. it all out. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, we used to pack the 20-yard dumpsters like the
2: um, I, I don't know the the truck probably groaned when it picked up our little three yarder
1: you could fit half a house in a in a 20-yard dumpster if you pack it right
2: yeah yeah so you you took us to school on that
1: yeah that day
2: <laughs> that was great
1: yeah that we we uh we put that up pretty quick yeah took it down and put it up in uh just a couple of days
2: yeah the bulk of it was done in you know the two days and mm-hmm. um then we finished off the roof and everything, which has been a nice addition, that little shade area. Yeah. We sit out there almost every day now. Yeah. Getting our knee tan. Regroup. <laughs> That's where we do our regrouping. Yeah. Just partial regrouping. We we can't regroup totally. <laughs> no.
1: So uh Kevin, I hope we answered your question. If if you have more direction for us, let us know when yeah, we to uh, hit yeah. it next week. Definitely. We got one from Freddie here.
2: Oh, Freddie period craftsman on Instagram this is a good question when should you fire your client
1: mm. well we try and never get in the position where we have a client that that needs to be fired um, we've been lucky enough to be able to vet people to the point yeah. where they don't turn into a client that that we have that much of an issue with um, I don't know what would you say is a if if we were to run into the situation what would be you know, a uh, uh, an instance that would cause us to fire "quote unquote" a client.
2: Wow, I mean, now as opinionated as we are, and and not in a terribly bad way, just like we have our ideals and yeah. things like that. That's a good thing, right? Um, we're pretty easy going when it comes to the clients. Like we yeah. we know how to handle ourselves, and so I'm I'm finding it. Hard to think of a situation where we would, you know, not at least get through the job. You know, we would go, let's get through this job. And then we could always just say, you know, we give them the FU price next time they call us, mm-hmm. or we just say our lead time is six months. Or, you know, you could yeah. make up all kinds of um, passable uh, excuses. Yeah. Um,
1: Imagine being in the middle of a job. Yeah, I mean we've had some people come out of left field with some wacky. I don't want to get too specific because
0: um, I don't know who's
1: listening, or you know, this is going to be on the internet forever. <laughs> we we always tend to take the high road, even yeah. when when uh, you know we're the ones who may be getting dicked around. Mm-hmm. Um, just for that reason you know, that you always want to be the one who maintains their dignity in the end yeah. and their, their image is, uh, you know, still clean. So it would have to be pretty bad for yeah. us to, to cut ties and, and, you know, either back out of a job and, you know, or whatever.
2: Yeah, the only thing that comes close to that was that – um that kitchen job I did where the, his uh, his spouse called or emailed and was, you know, asking if we would consider working for them again. Because when I left that job, uh, yeah. Yeah, I and said, I' ended up going to Amish. Yeah, there's no way in hell, because they wanted me to do some more stuff, and I refused. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't anything big. It was just this whole cumulative effect of, now, back in the old days, when I worked by myself, a kitchen job is about a two-month process. Yeah. you know, you design it, you build it, you install it, um, and this guy was just getting under my skin. <laughs> and you know, when you stuff it down and stuff it down, and I was just, I finished the job, and it was like, no, no, no more, more, no more of this, no more. And I gave him a little piece of my mind. Not Mm -hmm. a big one, but a little piece. It was funny. That's
1: fair. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because you can't allow yourself to be walked over.
2: Um, No. No. But
1: if you're reasonable and they're being unreasonable, then you should be able to articulate that and still, you know, um, not look like a dickhead.
2: Yeah. Imagine being in the middle of a job and saying man, this I got to get out of this thing. Let me call so-and-so cabinet shop and ask them if they'll take this on because I got to cut my losses and get out of here for my own peace of mind, sanity, whatever.
1: I know a guy who
2: might just be dumb enough to (laughs) (laughs)
0: to take that task on. We know
2: somebody that would do it for less. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah I, I believe that's his specialty. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, we're you know, we've been around the block a few times, so it's not that we haven't dealt with difficult people. It's just at you know, at 4:30 we can go home and we'll curse and complain all the way home in the truck. Yeah. And then the next day we'll have an extra cup of coffee and uh, you know, stiff upper lip and all that stuff and go in and get it done. <laughs> yeah.
1: Pound and a half of peanuts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's important to remain even keeled. It
2: is. It's, and you know what? The, the few times where I've lost my temper or, uh, my cool or whatever composure, I've always felt worse. Mm-hmm. You know, you always feel better. You don't want to, but you always feel better taking the high road. Yep.
1: Uh, but we have a situation. You know what I'm talking about. I yeah. won't get into the specifics, but
2: um. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you took the oh, you took the road that was so high. I looked up and I I just saw the bottom of the overpass yeah. up there.
1: Um, and I'm like, it, it's not worth my ten seconds of satisfaction, right? To tell this person how I really feel and and lay out, you know, what the repercussions of their actions are. Right. It's not worth it. I'm going to get two minutes of satisfaction, five seconds of satisfaction for what? So I look like a dick? Right, because you you won't look good. And,
2: I mean, it wasn't just that, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, things didn't go our way. It's just that it really did hurt us financially. And we were able to, you know, um, speak with our client, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on the job that it affected and we were able to straighten it all out. Yeah. But that's, that's our end, you Mm -hmm. know, that's because, um, you know, we kind of know what we're doing and we, you know, just be honest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, most of the time doing that, telling somebody off or it's all self-serving. It's not not even self-serving. It's self-indulgent. And and it's not self-serving; it's the opposite of that. It's actually bad bad for you and and your business. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, we always try and and just grin and bear it, basically. Yeah. So, when should you fire a client? Uh, I'd say if you're not getting paid, that's really the only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and I know Freddie is going through a situation. That's similar it. Similar to that.
2: Um, you fire them, but then you got to try and get your money somehow that they owe you, because no one you know, how the trades work, you you know, you're rarely if ever paid up to the work you've done and completed.
1: You're almost always ahead of the payment schedule. Yep. All right. Even us with 85% at commencement of work, we're still, by the time it's delivered, (laughs) there's our profit. Yeah. (laughs) What do we got next here? We got one uh, that came in via email from a new listener, Pat. Pat, um hand cut dovetails tails first or pins first
2: well honestly really? we don't we don't cut them by hand no uh, you know I've done it in the past on two or three jobs mm-hmm. um way back in the beginning part of it was the challenge part of it was the job was so small that it could merit that sort of thing you know like an end table with one drawer. Yeah. Um, one time I had to do it because it... Remember that bowed front thing? Had a bowed front, so I had to do it because I didn't know how to make my jig work on curved drawer fronts. Yep. <laughs>
1: That's fair. So it was the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. Just make them extra long I and mean, the ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've only done hand cut for stuff for myself. Yeah. Um, and, and just as, like, practice. BS cut, like my bed's got, um, the corners are big, chunky hand cut Mm -hmm. dovetail, um, that paper towel holder, (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that. Like I've only hand cut maybe a dozen, dozen hand cut joints and nothing crazy. Um, I always cut the tails first, but I know there's a good case for cutting the pins. 1st
2: I've, I've cut the tails first because that's, how I learned through the the few books and videos. Mm -hmm. And then I find it easier to trace them out and and cut them that way. Um, uh, And if you watch like the super pros do it, they make it look easy no matter what their method is. Oh, yeah. Don't even square the lines. (laughs) They just. (laughs) And you humbly walk back to your bench.
1: Lay out the the tails by eye. Yeah. Cut them. <laughs> you know, chop out the waste and then just lay it on top and yeah, cut mistreated. the pins where they fall. Um, it's one of those things where you gotta cut a lot of dovetails mm-hmm.
2: to I mean, well, there's a confidence factor there too. Yeah.
1: I mean. Maybe you don't have to cut that many to get proficient enough, but um, if you wanna be uh if you wanna hand cut dovetails professionally, like yeah. mix it into your professional work, you have to do it a lot. Yeah. Um and we just You know, we got a hard time getting paid to to make them with a router.
2: Yeah, we have a Keller jig, and um, it makes a really nice size through dovetail. And I have it set up, you know, like it's been for years and years. And I can cut, um, you know, a tail or a pin board, uh, you know, in one pass, which, you know, what does it take, half a minute, another half a minute to change out the board, you know, flip Mm -hmm. it around. So one board probably takes about two minutes. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's hard to beat that because even though I could do it, that operation quickly to so making the drawer box is far from being done, mm-hmm. that's the, almost the fastest part of the operation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to stop and check fitment and stuff. Everything mm-hmm. is just already fit. Right. You know, you're never going to get triangular pins with a jig. It's just no. not possible. Yeah. You're always going to have a flat spot because, you know, the bit needs to be, you know, wide enough to get in mm-hmm. there. Um, so, yeah, it's a compromise between, you know, speed and and uh, look.
2: Yeah. the cal- I think the Keller is a, a nice uh, compromise. I had the lead jig, which did the variable spacing. I found there were some real fatal flaws in that system aside, mm-hmm. You know, from how thick that instruction manual was, it, too many moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it just led to some tiny inconsistencies that um, multiplied themselves. Yep, um, The Keller is cheap and super repeatable. And the thing that is the, the kicker on it, and I wouldn't even use it if it didn't look good. The, the final drawer box yeah. really looks good.
1: Yeah, It's a nice looking dovetail. I I hate the um the half blinds. Mm-hmm. I really do. Especially those little stubby ones that the machines make. That yeah, like hand cut half blinds look great. Mm-hmm. But um those machine cut standard drawer boxes that everybody's got in their kitchen, I hate the way they look. They look so so fugazy to me. Like it's I don't know. Well, it's because also it's they five use eights. That five eights yeah, and five they got little material. stubby. Yeah. And the pin is the same size as the tail, yeah. like the same exact size. So right. it's just like one. <laughs> it doesn't really look like a dovetail. No, no. It looks like, yeah, some half-assed. Almost like a wonky box joint. Like a zipper. It looks like a zipper. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's, that's good. Yeah. It does.
1: It does. Um, And, you know, that's to despair. If you're making them yourself with that, that's, that's still fine. better than buying them. Right. Um.
2: We're we're just opposed to the mass production. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, because uh, you know that's it. It, uh, it sort of infringes on the, the the area of work that
1: we do, and it's it's. There it is, the Lou. Same. I'm yawning. I'm yawning. There it is. I started yawning at twelve fifteen. Yeah, before the podcast even started. Yeah, you know, if I could digress a little bit, it's like those. Those uh,
2: dovetails uh, made by the factories, you know, with the machines and everything, they're made in those places where everything's custom, you know, yeah. custom in quotation. Custom. Today we passed a landscaping truck that custom landscaping. Yeah. You know, where it's just again not to not to sound mean or disparaging. It's just a guy cutting the grass, which is an honorable profession. It's just yeah. what's custom about like cutting I said the grass? cut
1: your from left to right, right to left and
2: front to back, whatever you want. I think along with your business license you should be you should have to have a license to use the word <laughs> custom
1: or any of the derivatives. That's going to be the title of this podcast. In like the, License to Kill, <laughs> License to, to custom, custom, in quotation.
2: Right, because, you know, you need to display what it is that you do in your business that's custom. And there needs to be a bar set. And, a, and for this application, legal definitions of what determines custom work, what's semi-custom work, and what's just work.
1: Yeah, like you don't go to uh, Joseph A. Banks and for a custom suit. Yeah, and the guy takes you in the back and pins up the, the pants to be hemmed and call <laughs> right, it a custom suit. Right, right.
2: Like my, my mother happened to be a tailor, a good analogy. Yeah. She made a suit by making a pattern on some guy that came in and pinning pieces of paper onto them yep. and then... They pick out the fabric, and she cut it out, chalked it all, the liner. line, everything. Yeah. Every three s-
1: buttons, two buttons, lo- lo- what kind of lapel. Yes. Yeah.
2: That's a custom suit. Um, and it's the same thing with what we do. We start
1: from scratch. Just because you're picking the door, door style, doesn't mean it's custom. Right.
2: We go to their house. There's an empty space there. We draw
1: it. We imagine it. And draw it and build it and install it. I mean, we have a client who we did some work for and she got a custom kitchen from a, (laughs) you know, a a kitchen, like uh, a kitchen factory. It's like a design, like a design place, you know, Uh, so-and-so kitchen and bath. It's so far from custom and she's getting fucked. Yeah. Six ways to next Tuesday. It's so
2: far from custom, they can't make her a single drawer. An
1: 18-inch drawer. Yeah, 18-inch deep deep drawer. It's so custom that they didn't know that the gas line was going to be in the way of the drawers under the cooktop. Right. And what's custom about it? You sent a 24-inch deep three-drawer base. Yeah. A regular three-drawer, 36-inch three-drawer base. And this is going on for six months. And this is a big... Expensive house. Yeah, this is, you're talking over a million dollars. Oh, yeah. The, they lost the crown molding and now they can't get it because the factory shut down. So they're a custom shop and their factory
2: supplier that uh, wherever it's coming from in uh, Indonesia or, you know, Jakarta can't get them their inexpensive supplies. Yeah. Yeah, so um, wow, that was some digression, wasn't yeah, well, it? I don't even know, remember <laughs> what the question was. We're talking about <laughs> dovetails. Are we are we angry today or what? Oh we, we, my goodness!
1: <laughs> somebody peeing our beer. Wow, we better move on to the next one. It's from our buddy Manny. This one we should have pondered on. Uh, do you guys have any unusual or non traditional techniques or processes that are used in the shop? That's from Manny of our patrons and good friends too many mistakes on instagram
2: hmm well i don't know you know basically everything i do i learn from watching like new yankee workshop um or bumping my head against the wall three (laughs) or four times like to go back to the dovetails i remember cutting my first dovetails and then looking at the two pieces and going how the hell these go together exactly how does this go
1: together? I remember cutting my first dovetails on a job site as a finished carpenter on a piece of one by six pine, <laughs> finger jointed pine, white prime pine, uh wait, while I was waiting for material to show up. Like I had nothing to do. I was at a standstill and I cut this jacked up. Like three <laughs> three tails and and what was that It'd be four pins? <laughs> Five, four, three. One, two, three, five, five pins. Yeah, the halves on the outside. Um, Man, (laughs) it was effed up. You should have saved it. Yeah, I have a picture of it somewhere.
2: But you know, the other thing I didn't know about dovetails, like I didn't know which side of the wood, like I didn't know you had to use like the wood oriented so that the end grain was facing up when you cut it. You know, I thought, well, what if I wanted the wood to be oriented you know, wrapping around sideways. Couldn't I cut the dovetail in, in this way, you know? Yeah, um, there's a lot to learn out there. <laughs> you had two pin boards. Yeah, exactly. Like, these aren't going together. <laughs> so can you think of anything that's uh, uh non-traditional? Well, I mean, I think we're more traditionalists than non-traditionalists, like the way we glue edge glue up boards and everything like that, where yeah. we... we typically aren't using any kind of... Um, We're not using 12 dominoes every foot for yeah. a, a edge glue-up? Yeah, we don't use biscuits and dominoes. We just kind of joint it and glue it up and, and go with it there. Um, we wow. use breadboards. We
1: Yeah, I know there's stuff. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, you know, everything that I do, at least, is a rip-off of something somebody else did. I mean, everybody. It's, yeah. it's like music. There's only so many chords. It's all, it's all been done. Uh, so we're ripping it off of somebody else, um, whether it's traditional or not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I,
2: I'll say that, like, I went whenever I do breadboards, I went to the domino mm-hmm. instead of using. I used to do the long tenon, like the yep. full tenon, and then pin it in the middle Yep, and let the uh, outsides fly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, the domino, so that's really a non-traditional yep. uh, thing. It's it's definitely a modern tool with a modern twist on an
1: old-fashioned. Yeah, it's definitely a loose uh, tenant thing. One of those time-saving techniques. Yeah, um, where you're able to incorporate something like that into a job. Yeah, um,
2: and the, the the router jig for the dovetails is another. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a typical thing nowadays, but it's a
1: non-traditional. Yeah. Um, Isn't it weird? Unusual in all capitals. It doesn't look <laughs> like a word. Like it doesn't word. look like a word. Yeah. <laughs> Too many U's. Yeah.
0: Unusual.
2: Can you think of anything else. Let's
1: see. Well, I mean, sometimes... Well, we got a stink bug in the studio.
2: Sometimes that stuff is... Is uh, predicated by the tooling in the shop,
1: yeah. You know, but we've got, yeah. I'll say, like making shaker doors on the table saw—that's kind mm-hmm. of that's kind of unusual. Yeah. most yeah. people do that with a, with a, a shaper router table.
2: Now that we've got a shaper, we're really gonna, you know, start leaning on it. Yeah, because um, we did that that big uh, Dutch door and it made quick work of it. Yeah, we were like, wow, man, we we could we could do this. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. When he do fly into the light, look Damn. at him. Where'd that bastard go? I don't know. Does, does every region of the country have a stink bug? Or is it just the Northeast? There he is. You got him. They aren't the the swiftest
1: of creatures. No, no, they're not. I feel like they've kind of died down a little bit. Oh over man, the last remember? Years. Yeah, they, they were well, better. He's kind of there writhing on the table. We'll let him suffer
0: that piece of crap. Like they
1: were everywhere for a while. Like, you'd
2: pull a book off a shelf. Mm-hmm. There'd be, like, three of them in there. Um. So, yeah, I think it, uh, for us, it comes down to some of the m- more modern tools that we have, possibly. Yeah. Yep. Um, Unorthodox. I don't know if we do anything
1: that's unorthodox. I think we do, but it's just so normal to us that we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> we, don't we
2: wouldn't know it. until somebody schooled in the old ways came in and said, what the hell are yeah. you guys doing?
1: <laughs> if we think of it, we'll text you, Manny.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's a good question, though. Oh, Freddie, period craftsman on Instagram asks again, do you guys mainly do shop work? What's the quick answer there? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we wouldn't leave the shop ever if we didn't have to. <laughs> That's right. Our dream is to one day have an installation crew. I think this year
1: we've been out of the shop. We went on... We went to... Uh, did, we go to some, did we go to Samir the first time this... No, that was last year. That was year, last year. First time. So we went to... Some years to install. Mm-hmm. Did we install at Sandra? Uh this year? No, I think I that was think last so. year. The for the mantle. Oh, for the mantle, yeah. I think uh, we yeah, did. Yeah. So one, two, ma- let's say half a dozen times. Yeah. In in six months. We went to the church. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe more like a dozen times. Um, So we're good for like twice a month leaving the shop, and I'm these are days like (laughs) twelve days total. Um, And we we go kicking and screaming, don't
0: we? Yeah.
2: We like, and then we think we forgot everything. We got to pack our lunch, and we got to make like a big production out of it that we're leaving the shop.
1: It's just uh, (laughs) that's our comfort zone. That's our safe space
2: because the shop is, you know, part of it is it's behind the house and it's. You know, it's a little enclave, and it's just me and Jeff back there, and we got our music playing, and it's windows all around, so sun comes in. It's just a very comfortable little
1: spot. Yeah, I mean, you need something worst case. You got to walk sh- to the red shed, <laughs> and that's if it's in deep storage. Like, the shop is only 24 by 36, so the most yeah. you're walking is 35 feet to get whatever whatever you need. We have um, two
2: chairs there, so if we have downtime, we sit down. Yeah. In the wintertime we sit there and have lunch. Mm-hmm. In the summer we're sitting like now we're sitting out on the deck that that uh, we built last year. Uh we watch the birds and mm-hmm. the, the squirrels Listen and chipmunks. To the frog. Yeah. Um you know, we it it's it is idyllic, but it's not without its price. You know, we sacrifice yeah. all sorts of other things that many people would not to have this Quality in our life.
1: Yeah, I mean, could we work eighty hours a week and take home twice as much money? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But it's not worth it to me.
2: It, no, you have to live. I mean, there's, is I, uh, I mean, I know I'm, I'm about, I'm almost twice your age, mm-hmm. but that's one thing I've learned that um, it's quality over quantity, um, is is the best advice I could give any young or younger person. Enjoy, uh, you know, being and
1: want less stuff. And you're going to be yeah. cool with it all. And, uh, learn to, to be content mm-hmm. and not always be trying to be happy. Cause happy is a temporary thing. Yeah, you can't be happy yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, contentment is more important than than happiness. I
2: like that word, you know, because if you're chasing happiness, chances are you're never going to get there. You're never going to catch it.
1: No, that's a, you know, it's an unattainable goal to be happy 24-7. Yeah, so... um, Then, you know, happiness loses its meaning. Yeah, you're right.
2: Then you're unfulfilled, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because what's more than that? Right, right. So, um... Yeah, and we've all experienced going to work every day at a job that just robs your soul, Mm -hmm. and it that adds up because you know a typical job, you're 40 hours a week there, and maybe even more, maybe 45 if you're not getting paid for lunch and shit like that. Yeah, and then you got to commute. Yeah, if you're commuting even a half an hour, that's another hour. You're you're looking at 50 hours of your waking
1: time um answering emails on the weekend um,
2: it, it it's it's just not worth it for
1: your 2 weeks paid vacation
2: for what yeah exactly 2 weeks you're you're doing that for 50 to get two it doesn't seem worth it
1: yeah you'd be better off enjoying your job and not taking any vacation
2: right right Hey, speaking of vacations, we got we got big vacation plans.
1: Yeah, for 10 months from now. <laughs> April 2022. Yeah, 4 <laughs> days. <laughs> we're going to be taking and only two of those are during the week. <laughs> we're taking
2: 2 days off in April 2022. <laughs> That's right.
1: We got a wedding in the Dominican Republic. So so
2: we're going to close the
1: shop for, for two, 2 days. days. <laughs> Maybe the following Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather work. (laughs) I'd rather work than take time off.
2: Right, because we're not killing ourselves. And when we work hard, we feel good at the end of the day, don't we? I mean, it's like, wow, we really... I feel
1: bad when we don't work hard. Yeah.
2: You know, we look around. Even if it's days where we're just... uh, jointing and planing 200 board feet of stock Mm -hmm. to prep for a job you know we get it done and then we look around at everything all stickered up and it's just a good feeling Mm -hmm. um that uh, the next day we're going to come in we're going to start you know sizing some boards we have things picked out for like what do you want to work on well let's do the doors you know or let's uh, let's let's build this carcass over here yeah
1: yeah, that's, like, now while we're, you know, we're in this, like, hurry up and wait situation, which is, it's coming to the tail end of that, um, trying to get this cherry cabinet and the and the Dutch door out. Um, it's killing me, because it's like, there's not enough yeah. work to do. Yeah, um, we run a lot of errands and, and yeah. kind of clean up some loose ends here and there. Yeah, and, and just really, you know, work through the thing slowly and, and diligently, but, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have a Workload and and have to be able to get a big chunk of something done.
2: Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be up
1: against it soon enough. Yeah, well, yeah, these people better start <laughs> stop dragging their feet because time waits. You know, it's gonna be you know like
2: already. sitting on the couch and then all of a sudden be asked to go into the game. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be a couple of days. There'll be a couple of days of uh, shock yeah. on the system yeah, for oh us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep we'll warm up with uh, junior's bed. <laughs> oh
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll be starting that tomorrow. <laughs>
2: It'll give us something to do, occupy us and um uh you know cuz we'll get those the doors hung and after the doors are hung everything else will fall into place.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um uh, the dogs doing gymnastics <laughs> up there.
2: Doing yoga. Yeah, he's yoga. probably on
1: the goddamn couch. Uh, oh, we're an, we're an hour and five in. We better get, yeah, we get moving on move some moving. of these questions. Uh, what do we got here? So we
2: mainly do shop work, Freddie.
1: Yes. Yeah. 95%. Yeah. Um, I have an important customer, my wife, that wants an outdoor dining table this summer. The table will sit on a covered porch with almost full sun from the south-facing area of our porch. No rain, but a lot of Nashville heat and humidity. What's my best option? Gleam, talking about Total Boat Gleam, uh, milk paint, tongue oil, and reapply often. Epiphanies, my fear with a solid finish is sanding when it starts fading or peeling. Any help would be appreciated. It's from our buddy Alex Mitchell, uh, ALM Woodwork on Instagram.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, my first thought is if he's not afraid to reapply, Mm-hmm uh that kind of opens things wide yeah you know that that uh that milk paint t- outdoor tongue oil yeah the um what do they call that specifically um i can't remember the outdoor finish it's got more like it, yeah like an exterior
1: pitch resin or something it's in got it. yeah pine pine resin in it yeah and zinc yeah um and that would be my Uh,
2: recommendation only because it's the one I'm most familiar with and I would Mm -hmm. feel comfortable saying if you're ready to do the the work there's not much that could happen that's bad there you know like peelings and all that other. so that's not going to happen with this finish
1: yeah like if you're if you're comfortable with a small amount of regular maintenance versus a large amount of Less frequent maintenance, Mm -hmm. I would go with a penetrative finish. So whether that's uh, tongue oil or teak oil or Danish oil, whatever. Um, Epiphanies, I've been hearing about that. I don't have any experience with it or really know uh, anything about it. Um,
2: You know, the gleam seems like a good finish, but... I mean, we put seven coats on that thing. Yeah, and um, nine on the panels. I
1: do know of people who have had issues with it with with um a lot of sun exposure like mm-hmm. an unprotected yeah sun exp- uh you know an unprotected uh opening that's getting a lot of sun which makes me wary of of sort of that application um and yeah, if you don't want to have to really sand it and and refinish, that's what you have to do with those type of finishes. You have yeah. to scuff the whole thing and you know recoat two coats whatever three Yeah coats.
2: I I'd if it's getting so much sun I'd be afraid of anything that's like a you know a, a film type finish mm-hmm. anything that's sitting up on top because eventually it's going to fail and uh you know you're going to have to redo it and it's a lot more work then Yeah I
1: mean every outdoor finish is going to fail Right yeah. I mean every finish is going to fail
2: I just mean um no, I'm agreeing with Yeah, like with that you. crackle yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's a different kind of failure yeah. than the, the tongue oil, which is just going to start showing some wear. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I I would go with I would go with the tongue oil, that exterior tongue oil, and mm-hmm. I would love to hear how it holds up over time and, yeah, and through I the weather. The... Can you pull that up? Um Pull it up, Jamie. Yeah, there you go. Nashville heat. I guess that's why they got the Nashville chicken, you know, the Nashville heat. It's mm. got the the, the fiery uh,
1: kind of spice. Pepperoni on top. There's no, there's
2: no pepperoni.
1: I saw the quick check ad. Yeah. <laughs> they call it outdoor defense oil.
2: Outdoor defense oil by real milk paint. Yeah. And they're
1: in Tennessee. They are in Tennessee. So it's 100% pure tongue oil, pine oil, and zinc. Pine oil. Cool. Yep. Did you know that uh, Pitch Pine
2: is where we got the uh, term "pitch black," because hmm. the pine resin was so dark, it was black. You know, we're on this website. We are. Yep. Wow. Let's
0: see if I can find it.
2: Real milk paint.
1: That's right, baby.
2: Man, we're stars. Wow, you knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> we're are some of those we're some of those stars that are way out on the on the outside of the, the galaxy. Yeah, we we come into contact with the heat of a of a sun very very uh, you know
1: so often. But uh, oh, actually, I don't. I think we're on the milk paint part, not the oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Is that with the white uh, the
2: bench? Yeah,
1: cool. That was what, Softweight? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me see.
1: Well, I, I'm not going to make you guys wait around yeah. for me to find that, but we're there on there somewhere. Yeah. They reached out and, and asked if they could use the picture. So we got a great question here from our buddy Lou, Alvarez Woodworking, and uh, we're going to save this question for the Patreon yeah, section of the podcast. that's a good one. But we'll, we will read it here. 'Cause it's uh it's quite quite poetic.
2: When it is, the... isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. <laughs> when the winter of your life settles in and you look back at your life's endeavors, what do you want your legacy to be? Wow. So That's we'll deep. uh we'll revisit that here in about a, a half hour. Yeah. All right. See, so we got another one here from Freddie. Yeah. How's the new planer? I love the new planer. Yeah. Um, I really
2: do, and I'm not just saying that because I hated the old planer. Um, I forgot all about that old planer. Yeah, well, what what was the name of that company? Bernard,
1: Bra- Brabler? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it was it was Bra- a man's Bra- name. That's yeah. all I can
2: remember. <laughs> Listen, um, it's my first Powermatic machine, mm-hmm. and you know. I don't know why I waited so long. It really it really speaks to quality and these are the Taiwanese machines. It's right. not even like one of the like old iron um, legendary PowerMatic yeah. machines. So, we're kind of comparing apples to apples when we compare our Ralliver <clears throat> machine to our new PowerMatic machine. Yep. They they both came out of, you know, the, the same Factory probably. They're probably yeah on the same street. Right. Same same neighborhood. Yep. Um there's definitely differences in machining quality and things and like the that.
1: Part, yeah, the parts.
2: Um and but performance is where it all comes down to. Yeah. We would have been happy with the little um uh
1: critiques of the other machine if, if it had just, just
2: performed.
1: Yeah. So yeah, um, I was running, I made the faux tenons for the uh, Dutch door. And though, you know, the piece of stock I used it was only eight inches long. And I'm running this thing through, getting it down, fine tuning it to the mm-hmm. right width because they're end grain plugs. So I got the width down exactly to what I needed uh, to fit the jig I made, the router jig. And the thing had no problem with a little short eight inch piece of Yeah,
2: cord. that... Short can present a problem just as, like, super long can because how
1: it uh, fits in between those rollers. Um, And, you know, barely any snipe on that short little piece. And, yeah, I mean, it just works the way it should, and that's all. That's all we wanted. Right. Not looking for some sort of magical joint uh, planer that. No. Just. I just want to send the wood through and it just comes Just want out to the other push side. it through, have it pulled through the machine. Yeah, with not, you know, no ridiculous snipe, as little snipe as possible, and, and that's it. So, no it's been head great. deflection. Yeah, 3 one twenty ace. I wonder who they sent that machine out to. Some other poor bastard. Because
2: <laughs> you know. Hey, we'll give you a deal 30% off. You know they didn't keep that thing around. You just know they didn't.
1: No. The what? fact that they said it was going to go back to Taiwan, that's such oh, a crock what of a, shit. Yeah, I was about to use that exact phrase. Because the boats, they're not going that way. No,
2: no. They're not, they're not even coming this way. Yeah, apparently. Because <laughs> I think that drawer box for Sandra's on that boat. They're they having a hard time yeah. getting that.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: man. We got this next one? Yeah. Uh, do you ever have problems with blotching and cherry? I've got some cherry for an upcoming project, and with some mineral spirits on the figure, it's blotchy. That's from Parker, one of our patrons, known as P.
1: Haynes on Instagram. Um, Yeah, I mean, we we certainly get blotching on cherry. Every, mm-hmm. Everyone does. There's not really any way around it. I think no. um, because we mostly use tongue oil, it's, uh, it's a little bit diminished. I mean, maybe I'm wrong or... Maybe it's just perception, or maybe we're just okay with a, a level of blotchiness um, yeah. that other people aren't. I don't know. I think with a clear finish, the blotchiness is more seems more natural, looks more like figure than it does like blotchiness. Right. Um, so with a clear finish, you know, we find that the the quote unquote blotchiness is is a little more passable.
2: Yeah, because there's no pigment to really accentuate that spot in the wood
1: yeah it's more it looks more like figure right right um but yeah it's just a a symptom of the wood and yeah um, i i prefer kind of that that look on cherry than mm -hmm. the completely um, pre-treated kind of consistent look yeah like i like yeah i don't know blotchiness just sounds so negative to me
2: (laughs) the other thing is we go to great pains i'll say or great lengths to Uh, Sort out the parts for the piece Before it's assembled So if there's any kind of Like discoloration Or irregularities It's going to be near Other pieces that are like that So it's not going to really stick out It's going to be a part of the You know the landscape of that piece As Mm -hmm. it flows through Um, So it's not going to be as Unbalanced or unharmonious Um and again, it's, it's part of Cherry's character. That's, that's part of what, what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not passable on like things like fur, stuff like that. Like the blotchiness looks bad to mm-hmm. me, but in, in Cherry specifically, um, you know, to a certain degree, I don't mind it. No,
2: no. Uh, I'll say that the, that Rubio on the cabinet now that's has what, what? Color was that uh, royal. Royal. Now that has plenty of pigment in it, and that, it seemed to,
1: I want to say, cover any irregularities. It's kind of like a flat finish, so it kind yeah. of like flattened everything out. Yeah, I think you know you really run into the issues with like a uh, like a oil based stain, mm. and it just takes differently on right. the different areas. Uh, like end grain compared to face grain and edge grain. and Yeah, and just like those blotchy, those areas mm-hmm. that are that are prone to blotchiness. Like something like you put minwax on there, stain, it's just it's not going to look good. But mm-hmm. something like tongue oil, you know, is going to look better than that. Yeah.
2: That, uh, except for, you know, the, you know, requests from people to create certain, uh, you know, color palettes. I mm-hmm. don't think you can really beat... Um, just tongue oil on cherry. Yeah. That's really the way to go. All right. You want to read the next question from uh, um, a friend, Jordan?
1: Yeah. Maybe it's already been a topic, but any work injuries? Got my first real one two weeks ago after doing this for 15 years. Middle finger in the joiner. From Jordan, uh, I want to say Hawbucker or Hawbaker. That looks like a Hallbaker. I should know this by now, but um because we know we know Jordan for a while now. But Jordan Hallbaker on Instagram. And Jordan sent me a picture. He took the tip of the middle finger off, bo- a little bit of bone too. Oh God. He's got his he kept his nail bed though. He had it was joining a short piece, kicked back, took basically the the lower portion of the tip off with some bone. Holy
2: shit. Oh man, My, I cringed when you read that. He posted a couple of pics on Instagram. Um, thank God, no, no, no injuries to speak of. I early on, I didn't have the same respect for the bandsaw <laughs> as I do for the other sharp objects in the shop. Uh, I, you know, because the the bandsaw spins slowly, yeah, and I don't know why. I I just I did so I got my fingers way too close way too many times and I I did cut it once. Mm-hmm. Uh it wasn't a terrible cut. Um but we have some not to say that it eliminates problems, but we have some pretty um I'll say not rigid, what's the word I'm looking for where uh, we we follow them regularly these Stringent? protocols of safety and things like that. We you know, push sticks and push blocks and you know, we had one guy that would with his little shaky right hand pass it past the the table saw blade with yeah, at an inch. And it's like, dude, we got seven push sticks and blocks of every shape, size, angle. Pick one up, please. Um
1: then he got cut.
2: Yeah. But so we're we're pretty aware of it, and thank God we haven't had any, um, uh, you know, accidents where because unforeseen things happen. I, I'm thinking of one thing right on, now. On my finger? No, not your finger. But something that the Calvera helped
1: with quite a oh, bit. like a kickback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're getting little dings and dents all the time. Right. Just you know, you get you smash your finger onto a sharp corner. There's always the, blood on yeah. a piece of
2: wood somewhere hit your shin
1: on something like I cut my finger today with a pallet knife trying to pry a hinge pin out of a hinge and the thing slips and I jam Mm -hmm. you know a pallet knife I use for putty into my finger and and cut it open but no thankfully nothing serious we have a saw stop yeah which will you know hopefully prevent any injuries from that tool it's only because there's two of us if there's only one of us (laughs)
2: Then it wouldn't, wouldn't make be, any sense. Wouldn't, have, wouldn't be a need for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank God we got we found each other, yeah. so we could justify that saw stop. Um, the planer I can't see how that could, you know, because there's no way I'm sticking my fingers near that. <laughs> that had thing. to be
1: quite a yeah, quite an accident.
2: And the same thing with the joiner because those what do they call grip blocks? Mm-hmm. The, those things are. Awesome. We did them on a tool of the week. I think I picked them as a tool of the week. I love those things. Mm -hmm. There's no way really, uh, you know, you could injure yourself if you religiously use those things. Yeah, I mean,
1: like when you're joining edges, you can't really use them. Yeah. Um, So I could see, you know, I mean, there's always the potential. Right. You know, you could slip, sleeve, could get pulled into the planer. I mean, eh, Anything's possible. You just always got to be on your toes and thinking about, Mm -hmm. um, you know. One step ahead. Yeah, I mean, I pinched my fingers on, like, the drum sander before. Yeah. Um, So, you know, just got to be aware.
2: Makes me think about, like, in the days before I had a car, I rode motorcycles. I didn't uh, own a car, so I was on my bike constantly. Um, And you always have to be aware of... Everybody around you, and you kind of drive like this, you're very good. All you know, it's always mirrors, mirrors, mirrors. What's the guy up ahead of you likely to do? Mm-hmm. What's going on up there? Testing traffic conditions. So, that's the way you got to look at your tooling, too. It's like, yeah, what could possibly happen? Yep, not what is likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, push sticks are your friend,
1: yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah, don't <laughs> joint short pieces. I mean, yes. we've all done it. Yes. Uh, oh, God. But yeah, it's not worth it.
2: That's why I got that, you know, that big orange one. It's not. It's kind of cumbersome on the table saw, but it's got that V in there. That's what I always use if I'm going to uh, do like an edge joint on a short or a narrow piece because I can kind of drive it into the, the fence at the same time as right. passing it. Um, so yeah, knock on wood, no injuries, no major injuries, just lots of little ones. Yep. Dings and dents. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is, uh, from uh, Brian great point woodworks on Instagram. Oh no, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Matthew child Ducati on Instagram. Hey, hey. (laughs) Dewey Desmo? I wonder what you're riding there, Matthew. Let me know. Um, Would you say your podcast is geared more for the
1: professional woodworker or for the hobbyist too? Um, I'd say it's for anybody who is, you know, wants to be better and learn. And and that's the only criteria. I mean, that's what we're about. So I, I think that everyone that's listening is sort of following in tow. Hmm. Um, if you're not complacent to where you are, then, right. then you probably fit in, you know, with the, with the topics at hand.
2: Yeah. I, I'm going to say, you know, cause a lot of what we do is answer the questions from the listeners. Um, that kind of, uh, steers the topics. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff and I are not that far away from being hobbyists. Um, you know, is in time and everything. So we remember
1: what it's like to be sort of a novice. I mean, there's hobbyists out there who've been doing this longer than we have. It oh just, yeah. You know what I mean? Right.
2: And, and as a, pro- I mean, we're professionals cause we earn our living from it and we, right. we study it, but there are hobbyists. People who just do it on the side that are doing exquisite work. But yeah. Way better than what we and do. And a lot of, you know, our limitations are because we're professionals. Right. Um having can't to take a living. month to build a chair, one <laughs> no, chair. No. Or a year. <laughs> there's no money in that. So we have to, you know, balance those things. Mm-hmm. Um I would I, I think your answer was great about just wanting to grow and and learn. Mm-hmm. Uh and because I don't really know if there's a distinction. Maybe we we throw around phrases and talk about machines and things like that that are hobbyists might not have been exposed to
1: yeah and we definitely touch on some business aspects mm-hmm. of um you know running a business yeah uh but i i think it could be relevant to anybody
2: yeah exactly um so uh brian uh i guess uh, you know you have um uh, a, the a company op- i'm, <laughs> I'm <back here>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry matthew chow ducati i you know, so maybe you're a hobbyist or a professional. A lot of guys that that write to us, you know, identify on Instagram as having a company name yeah. of some sort. Yep. Um, but if there's anything that you want to hear about, let us know. Maybe he owns Ducati. Oh man, then I would. Uh, you know, I never owned a Ducati. I uh, but uh, when I was out in California and I rode, I had a Triumph. I actually had a '95. It was the first year that. Um, Triumph came back into America after Hinckley bought the company and our buddy worked at Marin cycles, which was the Ducati and uh Triumph dealer. And they also were the BMW dealer. So we, that's where I bought my Triumph and we used to go up there. And of course we get to test ride all oh, the yeah. bikes all around, you know, up and down highway one in Marin County. Um, so, and I was a, a proud member of the SFMC while I was out there as well. Um,
1: so, I, I've... Uh, I rode for a while with the Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been
2: around Ducati and lusted after them for quite a while. I, I've considered getting another bike. Um, it's... Tricycle. Here, yeah, here in Jersey, it's it's not the same thing. It's not... You know, I'm a spoiled California rider, and um, here it's just I'm not like a stoplight to stoplight kind of guy. It just doesn't thrill me, you know, riding on, in straight lines on the pavement and cranking my motor and uh, doing that sort of thing. I, yeah. I need to get out, hit the curvies, and, um, you know, have some, some fun that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let us know what you're up to, Matthew. We'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, aspect of your yeah. woodworking. Who's this one from?
1: Brian. <laughs> Great point. Woodworks on Instagram. Uh, do you guys have long-term plans or goals or just work together until you don't? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. that yeah. phraseology. Um
2: Well, yeah, we, I, we haven't really spoken about it in, in clear terms, but mm-hmm. obviously our age difference is going to create some sort of transition plan. Yeah. Where, uh, I retire, semi-retire, whatever. It'd probably be, be something like that, depending something on... Something
1: like, you know, one day you just, like, stop returning <laughs> my texts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know... Just stop showing up. No.
2: Yeah. It's something that we would have to plan out because that's that's just what's necessary. You, can, you the. I mean, my dream is, of course, to build the, the business during my productive time here to the point where... Um, it's not an encumbrance at all mm-hmm. um, where Jeff can choose his assistant, his next partner at his leisure, and maybe I can transition into some minor role or what have you. But um, that, that's, that point will come one day. Um, I seem to be pretty healthy right now, and I need, I need to work to – bread on the table so the, you know my dreams of retiring are, are really just dreams at this point in time yeah. um they're probably a lot longer off than i would imagine but uh yeah what do you think jeff
1: yeah i mean i definitely think um like you said sort of being able to grow the company to a point where um you know we have the ability in the future to go from um i won't even say from owner operators to just owners but from uh, guys who are on the shop floor, you know, actively making things or or doing all of the work to guys who are able to, you know, where we can work into our 70s and and uh, mm-hmm. and still be a part of the company and have a functioning company that's putting out work in a timely and and, uh, you know, a timely, timely manner. Because you can't oh, do yeah. it as someone who's 65, 70, 75. Um, you can't you just you just can't do it. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um so if we could grow Green Street into a, you know, a uh you know, a shop where we had employees and we were putting out um, you know, the same caliber of work uh and could take a diminished role in the actual production part, you know, when we, you know, felt it was uh timely, then I think that's the ultimate goal. Yeah.
2: And and the podcast and all this stuff we're doing the Instagram, it's all part of what's going on in business today. This is all part of, you know, it's in its infancy for us, but Mm -hmm. it's something we put energy into because this is something that could pay big dividends in the future that we just aren't aware of. And we'll have then, you know, put seven or 10 years into it. And it's like, all right, Jeff's got something now. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing I would love. I mean, we're just friends and partners, but, this You can't avoid the familial sort of yeah. relationship that develops, you know. Jeff's kind of like a son to me in that regard. My I couldn't be prouder to uh, work with him and think, man, I'd love to be a part of being able to set this young man up to let him do whatever it is
1: he wants to with his future. Well, it ties back into, uh... into Lou's question about legacy and the whole oh, idea yeah. of... Um... It does, you know, where we want to look back at at the company, you know, when we're in our uh, lives, yeah. What we leave on the for this world.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the question, Brian. Yeah,
1: that was a good one.
2: Yeah, Freddie, the Freddie Show. You know, you know, Fre- you know a guy <laughs> I mean, named Freddie. I do period craftsman on Instagram. If you could make one item regularly throughout the year, oh my God, what would it be? <laughs> I'm laughing because... I'm going to go with charcuterie <laughs> boards. <laughs> There's just
0: two.
1: <laughs> Those little dog bowl uh, holders?
0: <laughs>
1: no, uh, I really like building doors. Yeah, um, you into it. Dutch doors, ex- the exterior door, uh, not Dutch doors, barn doors, um, exterior doors, uh, I've... I've really enjoyed the, um, what have we done now? About a half a dozen doors in the last two years.
2: Well, you know, we built doors for the confessionals. Do you remember that? We built four nice doors for those. Oh, yeah, it was four doors. Holy shit. I mean, those were solid white oak as well. Yeah. Those are really
1: nice doors. Mm -hmm. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was four solid doors in that job. Man, we should have got more money for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's twenty k. That's twenty k. Just indoors. You could say that about all of our jobs. Holy cow! Because
2: that's that's part of our nature. You know what yeah. I mean? We we look at the job and we go, they're expecting a. They're going to get a plus b, c, and d because you know we want to put that in.
1: Yeah, and like the uh, the. The penitent side had like a six panel divided (laughs) light or a nine panel. (laughs) Holy crap. Man, we got hosed on that job. And we were toting around Deadwood at that point. Yeah, that's right. Here, put these together. Don't mess it up. Did he do anything on that job? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I remember he tore apart those side panels about six times. Um, What about you?
2: Oh, man. That's that's a hard one for me, um, because I'm almost you know it's like after after we start building the job, I'm sick already of ready for the next right, job. Yeah, I'm over this. <laughs> um, I, I, God, you know, I I don't know. There's there's some about like big jobs that enthrall me at the beginning. But like in the middle of a big job, I'm just like, oh man, I can't wait for this job
1: to yeah. be over. You get into all the minutiae and it's right. like I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. Oh, now um, I gotta
2: fit seventy-three doors yeah. into oh, these cabinets. Man. You mean I gotta put in <laughs> 146 hinge plates? No. And then there's the small jobs, like let's say, I mean, we don't really get them as much as I would like, like a like a single um, Cabinet or an end table or something those intrigue me as well because you know you you can put so much into that one thing and mm-hmm. it's it's done it quickly. Yep. Uh, God I, I, I can't think of anything that I could build regularly throughout the year without just starting to feel like I was in a rut. Yeah. So it'd have to be charcuterie board. <laughs> You could could you imagine sand and all those all that nonsense
1: with a black and decker uh, yeah not
2: with no vacuum wearing one of those masks
1: outside in the driveway. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm charged for my time. Yeah,
2: and I found this piece of wood. Yeah. so that's thirty dollars pure profit. And we're We're just teasing. (laughs) Nothing against people who make charcuterie boards. No, just charcuterie boards in general. I want to know. Have you ever gone to anybody's house and seen them pull out a charcuterie board?
1: No. I want to know where they're all going. I I have a a board that I use that's like... uh, Maple and walnut and and yellow heart and something but else, but I not. M- I made it myself. It's
2: not one of these odd shaped no. boards that it's just a sanded piece of wood. No, no that no. has somehow taken on this yeah um, title.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could go on about this for a while. We, we better get we, on to this next. We question. just gave away three
2: <laughs> pails of charcuterie boards. Yeah. <laughs> What were we thinking?
1: (laughs) We got one here from a patron, Jaffa Jaffa Hernandez on Instagram. What are your thoughts on 3D-printed houses? You know, Jaffa, I had to
2: look it up to Mm -hmm. see what it is, and they use cement or a type of cement, which is totally interesting. And I believe in Edison, uh, what's his face? Was it Thomas Edison? That... um, Built these, uh, that designed these cement houses. I don't know. I want to, I think it was him. I'm not positive who it was. But these full-on cement houses with, Mm. like, niches and things like that built into it. You know, all the inner walls, everything cement, like a poured cement home. It was his idea to do this uh, as a way to quickly make quality homes that didn't cost a lot um and i guess this is a modern take on that
1: yeah i don't know a whole lot about the whole thing i knew that they're made out of concrete um i definitely think it's a cool idea you know having uh you know a 3d printer and we used to have two um ourselves it's definitely a concept that that i find very interesting um I think it probably leaves, at this point, leaves a lot to be desired in terms of, um, you know, aesthetics and stuff like that. Uh, I guess, you know, the inside can maybe get finished with, you know, drywall and stuff like that, like a normal house. But um, I think it's, it's something that over the next maybe 10 or 20 years is going to get more and more uh, feasible as a, as a real means of production.
2: Yeah, I I just did a quick Google search and it was Thomas Edison. Hmm. It was about a hundred years ago. Well, he did this in in Edison. Yeah. Hmm. Um. And like, where else he, was it? Menlo Park. That's where his like lab. Yeah, was. yeah. Um. I guess with three D printing, uh, it could allow you to like make chases for wires and things like that mm-hmm. uh, more readily. Because that's really, you know, part of, of building a, you know, a nice space. You don't have all these wires and the plumbing and all that stuff. What, I wonder how they would handle that.
1: Well, I'll say I know one of the pitfalls of regular 3D printing is, um, you know, you can't print in midair
2: because
1: mm-hmm. you need support underneath of the right. the uh, printing uh, material. So I, I don't know how they make floors. Like, how do you make mm. a ceiling? Right. So is it for walls only? Uh, I think that'll, you know, you can print support on a 3D printed item, but that has to be broken off after the fact. Yeah. So is it yeah. the same kind of idea with that? Um,
2: I mean, I wonder how they handle, like, the, the plumbing pipes and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're intrigued. That's what we'll say, yeah, right? absolutely. All right. We've got uh, our last question here. All right. Do you guys like finishing with pure tongue oil? If so, what's your routine? That's from Alan Al About It on Instagram, one of our patrons. Thank you, yeah.
1: Alan. I think you already know the answer to this question, now. <laughs> uh, Alan. We do like uh, finishing with pure tongue oil. Um, that's our our sort of our main finish. I'd say uh, routine is we sand to 220, maybe 320. If it's like a tabletop or something mm-hmm. like that where we want some really nice... Uh, a little, little extra, yeah, it to feel really, really nice, um, and we do a coat every twenty four hours, and you know, say you know, three coats is sort of the bare minimum. Yeah,
2: we like those white Scotch Brighty kind of pads. Yep, those are great for scuffing up. Uh, well, not really scuffing up, but buffing up. Yeah, uh, a nice
1: soft sheen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we'll put it on with a with a finishing pad like a staining pad that you can get mm-hmm. from whatever, Rockler or something like that. Uh, thin coats, wait 15, 20 minutes, wipe off any excess, you know, wipe it really dry, as dry as you can get yeah. it until the towels are dry. And then, you know, because it's going to sweat out even as it sits for 24 hours. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe it's 18 sometimes. But yeah, yeah, next day. Right. Uh, that's really it.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, that's part of what we love about it. It's simplicity mm-hmm. and um, ease of application. I think what Jeff pointed out there is is pretty key. When you're wiping it off, wipe it off. I mean, really. Because
1: it will plasticize yeah. on the surface, and you'll be yeah. left with a gummy sort of mess. I think that's yeah. where maybe a lot of people go wrong is they, uh, they'll leave too much on the surface. Yeah. And even, like, the first coat, um, it's not just, like, one coat. You... Keep keep putting on that first mm-hmm. coat until the surface is totally flooded. Like, you don't want to see any dry spots because it's going to keep taking that tongue oil until yeah. it's saturated. Um, you know, it won't be able to take any more. And then you wait, and then you wipe it off.
2: Right. Because it's not just sitting there on the surface. No, like it's a, a penetrative oil. Yeah.
1: It actually, it's going into the voids in the cells Right, and filling it with, you know, tongue oil, which then uh, polymerizes or plasticizes.
2: Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Right, let us know if, um, if you're using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we always like to hear from the patrons as well as uh, other listeners. Yeah. Send us pics of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, keep those questions coming. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for yeah. the nice long list of questions we got this week. It was good this week. Yeah.
1: Keeps the show going. It was a nice mix of different uh, subject matter, too. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the beer? Well, well, I guess I could say, because yeah. you brought it. Yeah. That uh, was good. I kept
2: looking over, thinking that... Was I know. <laughs>
1: as much as I'd like to have another. No, we we know better. <laughs> no, because then I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't feel like putting... The- oh, actually, I don't have to put the podcast up till tomorrow, yeah. but still. um, Actually, now that I'm going to be trying to edit in this B-roll and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's more of a sedative, that 2nd beer. Yeah, <laughs> and my son's across the street, i got to go pick him up. Uh, Yeah, it was good. Looking yeah. forward to Ross opening up right down the street.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I would love to get involved. They need anything in there. Some. some I did float that by them. Interior work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so I want to thank uh, Jerry Greenan, David Murphy, Manny Siriani, Dustin Fair,
1: Adam Pothast, David Shoemaker, and Colin Lie. Thank you, guys. Our gold-tier patrons. Yeah, really. Uh, If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can um, sign up for the Patreon where we do the after show every week. We, uh, what are we going to call it? We call it, we call it question of the week. Yeah, that's the Patreon question of the week because we're going to take the, uh, I think what we're going to do now is we're going to take our, our. Not our favorite necessarily, but the question we think's got the most meat on it. And we're gonna right. do that on the Patreon. Um that way we can sort of, you know, really elaborate on it and focus in on one question for yeah. for a good chunk of time. So um This the, week we got Lou's question. Yep. The uh the tool of the week, the beer of the week, the book of the undetermined amount of time will be in the description. And, uh, I got to remember to, yeah, to link, uh, Alex Instagram page and website, um, to that. So, yeah. See you guys next week for episode 39. Thanks again for hanging out. Ciao.